Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I'm joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high praise of classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, hon? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Are you good? Oh, I got a glass of wine for this one. I, I gotta I gotta say, th- th- that was not my first take of doing the intro. I did a couple takes. And I meant for the movie, not for you. Oh, I know, I know, but I'm just doing preamble because obviously we'll get into our movie in a moment. But we have sold our house. I think we mentioned this on the last. No, episode. we haven't. Sold Sorry, we we've bought we are a house. Working on selling. We are our working house. on selling the house, and part of that is staging. Is staging. So we've taken editing, a lot, as they call it, editing. Yes. So we've taken a lot of our furniture out of the house, and like this room. Like you, it doesn't mean anything to you because you're not wearing headphones, but this room sounds different. Like there's something, there's something about it that just, there's a lot less crap in it. Well, it's got more blank space for sound to bounce off. Yeah. Nothing to absorb the sound. You took down the pillows I put up. I didn't take them down. She did. No, I literally watched you do it. You. You knocked over your statue. I knocked down one. She took down the first one. Anyway. She she wanted to take him down, so I she took down the second the one. Stager, the stager, yes, who is lovely. She is lovely. I can't wait to hire her to actually decorate our new house because holy crap, she knows way more about she, the stuff she that does. I do. But what she doesn't know or care about because that's not her job is sound dampening. So, I mean, I'm sure most people won't even notice that. But like, I okay, hear don't it. point it out. Yeah, okay, that's a good idea. I just won't point it out. No one will know that this room is slightly more echoey than normal. Let's see what I can fix and post. Anyway, how you doing, hun? I'm whiny? Okay. You're doing whiny, though. I, I decided that this movie deserved a glass of wine, not a Foster's. Not, not beer. Yeah, not uh, not a Foster's. No. Australian for beer. Australian for beer. Yeah, it's no. been... It's been a, a busy week and a half. I can't believe how much we've gotten done in a week and a half. And I'm really proud of us that we've actually recorded two podcasts during this time now, because this will be number two. Yeah, no kidding. I'm, I'm curious as to how we're going to, because next week, actually, we're going to be, re, we're not recording, yeah, but you... we're going to be watching the movie with your parents who will be staying with while the, the house is being shown. We have to like record on our phones. Like my parents, like just they're like, is it a burnt? Is it a? Yeah. We're definitely gonna have to watch it with them. Yeah. They're gonna fall asleep during it on the couch. I can picture my dad, arms crossed across his chest in the chair, his out, and us being like, "I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'll find out at the end. You'll find out at the end. But I feel like I've picked a winner. It's if it's it's gonna keep your parents' attention. No, my mom is gonna be in her chair on the couch, just head right back, just right back. I just mouth open asleep like like parents do like they're right. stereotypes they fall asleep by like 8 30 on the couch after watching big bang theory and ncis okay well we'll see i feel like I, I picked a good movie but i definitely feel like i'm gonna make them speak into the phone and be like what's your review what's your review <laughs> is it a burnt a plane or a double butter just for some fun and i'm sure they'll be like get that phone out of my way no they'll, my mom will be like what are you talking about my dad will be like Hmm. Your dad will make some ridiculous pun or something. Oh my god, he's it's, such a boomer. So your mom you will just know. be like, "Eh, it'll be this," and that's it. That's what it was okay. That's what she'll say. Yeah. But your dad will like, you know, 
he'll make some weird pun. He, he'll do something. My mom will ma- we're talking about next week. My, my prediction for next week is my mom will make some comment of like, this character was an idiot. Probably. And that'll be the end of it. Anyway, but we're not talking about this week. We're, we're talking not, about, we're, we're talking not about, talking about next week. We're talking about this we're week. We're talking about this week. <laughs> and this week, we are talking about Crocodile Dundee, <laughs> which originally hit theaters back in 1986, governor. <laughs> That's not right. That's not right at all. You just switched to Cockney. I did. I switched to Cockney. <laughs> he was raised in the land down under, where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. A legendary figure about to encounter a world more treacherous than any he has ever known. Big Dundee from Australia. How are you? This your first trip to New York? First trip anywhere. First trip anywhere. Well, we might just have yeah, sure. Yeah. And your wallet. Got a knife. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Crocodile Dundee. Well. Dingo. I, I don't. I wish I could play like a didgeridoo sound like whoa, 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 <laughs> to do my rewind. Back to September of 1986. So on September 2nd, Kathy Evelyn Smith was sentenced to three years for manslaughter for the death of John Belushi. Oh, wow. Okay, here's the thing. I know you're going to ask because I wrote it down. I actually did my homework this time. Yeah, I I never knew how John Belushi died. I just assumed he died of a drug overdose. He did. So he, she is the one who injected him with a lethal speedball in 1982. Oh, and a speedball is when you mix heroin and cocaine. So she gave him the dose and bragged about it. And <laughs> you're going to jail. Yeah. She was a groupie. She like hung out with like Gordon Lightfoot, who I didn't realize had groupies. Um, Gordon Lightfoot had groupies? People like shipwrecks. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> this was one that really made me go like, wow, okay, this kind of dates for sure. September 7th, the Cleveland Browns becomes the first NFL team in history to have a play reviewed by instant replay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So something that is just so common now. First time it happened. Fancy fun. And even bigger, on September 8th, the Oprah Winfrey Show is first broadcast nationally. Wow. You get a car. You get a car. Bees. Bees. Man, I... Did you ever watch that show? I mean, you must I've seen a couple episodes of Oprah. I saw, like, the Tom Cruise jumping on the couch one, because, like, who didn't watch that? I didn't watch the whole episode. I've seen clips of it, though. Yeah, I know. I watched the whole thing. I think I, like... I don't remember. I watched it on like a rewind or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but on September 29th, Designing Women had its TV debut. Who's in that? Donna Burke or somebody? Delta Burke. Delta Burke. That's right. That was a big deal. Uh, but speaking of big deals, Crocodile Dundee, holy crap. Uh, so 
We've already done one movie from 1986. Which was Top Gun. Yes. Um, but the summer itself was filled with a lot of big movies. So Top Gun kind of flickered in and out, as we discussed in that episode. You should go back and listen to it. It's one of our first ones. It's episode two. Yeah. Kind of in and out of the number one spot all across the summer. It would be number one for a week, and then something else would be number one, and then it would be Top Gun again. Uh, but sequels to other burnt popcorn episodes, Karate Kid 2 was number one for four weeks. Aliens was number one for four weeks. The Fly, Stand By Me, and then Top Gun again, which was then beaten by Crocodile Crocodile. I knew I was going to do that. Crocodile Dundee, which had the biggest September debut of all time at $8 million. And then in its third week, hit $10.5 million. And it was number one for nine weeks. Overall, it was the second biggest movie of 1986, right behind Top Gun. And when I mean right behind, I mean right behind. Top Gun made $176.8 million. Crocodile Dundee made $174.8. So I mean right behind. Yeah, that is not far off. And Platoon was number three at 130. Platoon? Platoon? <laughs> Platoon. Platoon. Platoon was number three at 138.5 million. Crocodile Dundee had the longest number one stretch of the year and one of the longest ones really of all time. That's a huge nine weeks at number one mm-hmm. and was the second biggest movie of the year by $2 million. This movie. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so as you could see, I needed some wine. <laughs> what? Uh, obviously, there's a lot to unpack here about Crocodile Dundee. But I think to start, yeah, we should go over our memories of this film. Because I don't have... This is the first time I've ever seen this movie. And really, like what I could tell you about my memories of Crocodile Dundee is obviously I know the character. It is a character that is ingrained in pop culture it's like max headroom and peewee herman and stuff you don't need to have seen anything with that character in it to have known this character exists ernest is another character like that 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 was Mm -hmm. just so popular it transcended whatever it was in and like i knew the that's not a knife this is a knife that's not a knife that's a knife it's that's a spoon that's a spoon yeah i see but like i knew that and really, that's all I knew. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's probably, I feel like if I watched either the second or third one, there might be like a, oh, wait, I might have seen this movie before. But it was not this movie as the movie that I've seen before. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So you picked this movie. So you must have some recollection of this movie. Yeah, no, I this is this and I saw the sequel as well. I'm pretty sure I've seen the sequel, but I know I saw this one as a kid. Again, at the neighbors, just afternoon. You know, the neighbor's mom was like, Would you kids shut up here, watch a movie? Here, and, watch Crocodile Indy. Yeah. Afternoon matinee type movie on the the old VHS player. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah, it was kind of like very like it would have been the early nineties when I saw it. Probably saw it once or twice. And I just remember thinking it was a lot of fun. And being like, oh, you know, that's not a knife. I'm like, oh, we're Australian now. Like, let's play, <laughs> let's play crocodile hunters and uh-huh. blah 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 as kids. And like, I remember liking it. Like, I remember like that was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that movie being a lot of fun. Okay, 
this might be really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, how wrong you were? Not wrong, just like one has to remember one of the longest number one streaks of all time. Cultural phenomenon. Yes. I feel like people were on a lot of cocaine in the 80s. Yes. Because like what? There was a weird like I know this only because of one fact and there was a weird Australian renaissance like not even because of this movie. Well it's uh, there was a period where Australia was just super popular and it was Mad Max and it was this movie and that is how we ended up with the Australian Wolverine and the X-Men cartoon in 1989. Yeah. So that's the only reason I know that there was an Australian like popularity period is because of Australian. And I don't mean Hugh Jackman is Australian Wolverine because funnily enough, Hugh Jackman, the actor who portrayed Wolverine in film was Australian. Well, he still is Australian, but there is an X-Men cartoon from 1989 where Wolverine is inexplicably, inexplicably Australian for some reason. He says dingo a lot. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. Australia was popular, so they made Wolverine Australian. Yeah, but like Australia really did have this right and like Crocodile Dundee was a big part of that. And then in 1980 there was the Dingo Ate My Baby like trial, which it literally did they did find even though the mom went to jail, the Dingo actually did take her baby. Mm-hmm. Like it was finally like proven that like yeah, cuz that there was a 1988 movie starring Meryl Streep about that. And when that's the line was like, the dingo's got my baby and stuff like that. That is literally like. Was that movie number one? Should we cover it? I don't want to cover it. No, that's not. (laughs) It didn't do well. It got 6.9 against a $15 million budget. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So crap. But like, no, it was proven that the woman was right. Like a dingo did take her baby. And dingoes are just dogs, but they're, they've become wild again. Yeah. So anyway, Australia was big in the 80s so that brought us to this movie which i didn't remember a ton of it i remembered the overall vibe of it there was a point in the movie where i was like didn't this isn't the whole point of this movie is that he's in like the united states and i thought maybe that's the second one and then it like halfway through the movie, he comes back to the United States. So it was very like, oh, okay. So I was right. It's just, I just wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. So the first part of the movie is in Australia. So it's the the reporter, Sue, who's yeah. like this big city New York reporter. And it turns out she's super rich, blah, blah, blah. She's doing a piece. She wants to find this guy, Michael Mick crocodile another yeah, dundee mm-hmm. and do a story on him because apparently he saw, survived an attack by a saltwater crocodile that like ripped off his leg and he crawled through the bush and survived and blah 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 so she wants to go meet this guy and we don't meet him for a little bit we follow her into the outback and she goes to the middle of nowhere and she finally meets this guy and he's you know this charming older man and blah 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 he's like and he, their age difference about 20 years and blah blah but like my first thought when we're introduced to Mick, mm-hmm. is is he a good guy? Is he actually a good person? Because like they talk about him being a crocodile poacher, and he never says yes or no. Yeah, he, he says he's, he never he never says otherwise. Like, yeah, he, he, he never says no. I'm not a poacher. I'm out here. I just live out here and I do tours because he does kill a crocodile at one point because it, because it's going to attack her. But I'm like, 
is he a uh, is he a poacher? And like then he shoots at some people. He shows sh- poachers like he shoots literally at not to like warning shots. He literally is shooting at them to kill them. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at the description, I IMDb for this movie. Mm-hmm. An American reporter goes to the Australian outback to meet an eccentric crocodile poacher and invites him to New York City. So he is a poacher. According to that. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, so he's not a good guy. No. I mean, your definition of a good guy might change from the 80s to now, though. But I'm pretty sure I read in the second movie... He's not a because po- at so one point it, he's like he makes a kind of a sly comment and she's like oh you were really just doing this and she shows like the a bunch of bullets that were in his boat and he's like yeah big yeah. fish yeah but in the second one the trivia it does say the film they want to make sure they show that he isn't a poacher he's just a he he uses extreme methods of fishing and it shows him using dynamite to catch fish in the New York Harbor. Um, they can safely assert he was actually fishing and not a criminal poacher. Okay. But in the first movie, the description is he's a poacher. So it's a retcon. It's a retcon. Yeah. So here's what I wrote the first time he shows up. Yeah. Is that how he enters the bar all of the time? Because his first appearance in the film, he is thrown through the doors by an unseen assailant, mm-hmm. which he then goes back outside to fight some more, and then he comes back in, and it is revealed to be a crocodile, which he then fights, and then it's revealed that it's not just a crocodile that he's been fighting; it's already dead. It's already stuck. It's very obviously already dead. It's well, very obviously fake. Well, yeah, but like, does he just? Ju- hey, everybody, I'm here. Oh, gonna fight the crocodile. Like, is that how he enters the bar every damn and time? And this he bar comes is in the town? middle of nowhere. This town is literally in the middle of the outback. There, there's like probably three people who live in this town, and then they do tours. And I feel like because his business partner for these tours, this guy Walter, yeah, probably told him this woman is coming, and would be showing up that day. Plus, there was a, the the people coming to shoot kangaroos, so yeah. he was probably doing it to impress somebody he knew he that would be there i'm going to say that he was given information that out of towners were going to be there especially a pretty young reporter right okay but still that was his go-to that was his go-to i'm gonna wrestle a, a fake or not a fake but a taxidermied crocodile to show how strong i am yeah so he takes her off into the bush and like the whole time she's wearing this thong bathing suit in the bush and they're out there for a few days and i'm like they're in the bush they can't shower Mm-hmm. They are going to the bathroom in the bush, the whole thing. As a lady, mm-hmm. it is a thong bathing suit that we see. Yes. As a woman, mm-hmm. that's a yeast infection waiting to happen. <sighs> it's not a good wardrobe choice. Mm-hmm. I understand that they just wanted to show off her butt. Yes. But like, as a woman watching it, I'm like, oh, honey, that's going to be bad news. Mm-hmm. But like they're they're having like the you know the battle of the sexes out in the bush. Like he's this older rugged guy who doesn't get along with city folk. Like he's charming and everything when he's funny, but he's like, oh, a woman can't stand to be out in the bush alone. And she's like, I could do it all by myself. Yeah, I'm a lady in the eighties. I can have it all. Yeah. Look at my shoulder pads. <laughs> Bathing suit shoulder pads. Yeah. So she she decides to go off her on her own after she's already seen like 
venomous snakes and that there's yeah, ex- like literally there's a scene that happens before this where he mid conversation without skipping a beat pulls a king brown snake which is highly venomous one of the most venomous snakes in the world also they say poisonous in the movie which i always like hmm okay mm-hmm. but highly venomous snake and he just like snaps his neck he, he like doesn't even skip a beat right this rugged outdoorsman and then she's like oh well clearly i can show you up and i'm gonna go in the middle of crocodile territory and swim in the water well she doesn't go swimming but she goes to like fill up her canteen and Either way, dumb decisions are made in the name of, I'm a lady, hear me roar. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's around this time in the movie where she goes off and does this that I wrote down, what is the reason for this movie? (laughs) Well, I can answer that. No, I I mean, like, from, I'm, you know, I know there's reasons. Like, like the people behind the movie made the movie like they're like oh we're gonna make it and it's gonna be with this australian dude that everybody like it's gonna be a great hero for australia you know i uh, maybe that's the reason maybe it's not but it's not but anyway but what is the reason for this movie the karate kid daniel son learns karate because bullies beat him up alien they they go to the ship and the alien shows up they have to escape top gun you know he's trying to be the best fighter pilot in the world what is the reason for this movie? This movie, the reason is she's come to Australia to interview this guy and decides it would be an even better story to bring him back, to, a guy who's never been to a city, to bring him to the biggest city on the planet for a second story. But how did that get started? Like She's like a travel reporter. She is a travel reporter, but who tipped her off? Was it this Walter guy? Like. Or know. Wally or whatever. She heard his about name some was? guy surviving in the like how did the word get out from this small town? But like I don't know. It's Yay. very it's very weird. Like it's 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 like a series of events that just so happened to happen. Like it is almost kind of what this film was. Yeah. No, I agree. But like they're so they're out in the bush for a while and like they're they're having like this battle of sexes and then eventually she goes off her own and yep, she's about to get attacked by yeah. salty, like saltwater crocodile, mm-hmm. which are some of my favorite animals. Yeah, I think they're so cool. Yeah, did you enjoy watching a dude stick an enormous knife in the top of one's head? No, yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. I love saltwater crocodiles. They're so big and they're so cool. Anyway, and then he saves her life from this crocodile, and then she's like, "Oh, I think I like this guy." And now she I want kisses him, and it's him. like alluded to the fact that they get it on. And then she's like, "You know, it'd be fun. You should come back to New York." And he's like, "Okie dokie." And he does. And then immediately when she shows up, she's right back in the arms of her boyfriend. Yes. Who at the beginning of the movie, it is established that he is her boyfriend. But she doesn't even like, like immediately, which I mean, I get. OK, so say he, she, he's obviously your very typical 80s douche. Yeah. Right from the get go. You yeah, can tell yes. he's got he's that. He's got like, the safety dance and everything ready to go. And his hair. Hans, booby. Like, yeah. that's the kind of guy he is. He's like mm-hmm. your 80s go getter who's got bonitis. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so like there's not even a scene where like, you know, she doesn't show up at the airport and she's like, he goes to kiss her and she kind of like, you know, puts her hand on his chest. He's like, um, you know, that's not right now. Just to kind of like something's up. No, mm-hmm. she's full on like Richard. Yeah. I was like, I mean, maybe they're in an 
open relationship, but she gives no indication to Mick that she's seeing a guy. This is true. So Mick probably is like, yeah, he's very much like, oh, we all right, we we got dirty in the outback. Yeah, and now you're what? Oh, I mean, oh, I shagged girls, the Sheila. City girls are a little different, I guess, mm-hmm. than the, the country girls. And so then he's like, it's this reverse fish out of water, right? Where he, because like, originally it's her like adapting to the outback, and then it swaps, and he goes to New York, and he's got to adapt to being in the big city. And I have to admit, there are some scenes where he's in New York that are pretty charming, where he's like how he talks to. Reginald Val Johnson, and who's yes. the limo driver, which is really cool to see. Carl Winslow, for those who don't know who Reginald Val Johnson is. Yeah, like he, his interactions with the 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 doorman at the hotel, and like other people around the city. Like he does things that are like charming, like oh, this silly immigrant, you know, like that kind of yeah attitude. And but everyone is super charmed by his silliness. Like he gets a ride from a police cop. Police cop, wow. A horse cop, yeah. A police officer on a horse. And he just casually hands him back his enormous knife. Imagine if he was a visitor from a country where he wasn't white. Okay, this is another thing where it's like, you know, time has passed and this scene is very different now. And one scene in this movie that we passed over. Sorry. That really shows that exact thing is the cross dissolve from their plane taking off to the twin towers. Mm-hmm. There are a couple shots of the twin towers, but at, you're right. I, I can't yeah. believe I skipped over that. Yeah, there's right. a cross dissolve from a plane taking off to the twin towers. Yeah. It's like feature for a good solid, like 10 seconds. And And I feel like when that happened, we both look at each other and went, Ooh. speaking of things that are dated yes like I, I i mean i get it the the twin towers existed for a very long time and they show up in movies and most of the time i'm like hmm yeah you know it's mm. just like hmm okay there's the twin they're towers in the background they're in the background yeah. you know i watched 1990s ninja turtles and they're you know they're heavily featured in that but this is literally a plane and not just that, but like, it's such it's so prominent that it's just like this reminder of like those were some big buildings like it's been 20 years the skyline of the city has changed tremendously mm-hmm. but like oh right those kind of dominated the skyline yeah that was a weird sensation. Mm, yeah. That, that kind of made me feel weird. It did. It definitely did. I didn't like that. Uh-huh. That was a sad memory. So, oh, this is a note that I should have mentioned when you were talking a moment ago about how she was re- right back in the arms of Richard. I wrote, uh, she's angling for a three-way. Yeah. Is what I wrote. You could tell she's like, I'm down to clown. Yeah. It really seemed like she was but trying to But she's a modern 80s up. woman. If she's down for it and like she's the two guys and everything. They get in, speaking of that, can we discuss the prominence of Mick's encounters with sex workers and people who really would be at the fringes of society in the 80s and even still today? Mm-hmm. I mean, really. But like, there are a couple scenes where he meets a woman in a bar, Gwendolyn, yes. in a bar. And he's having a great time chatting with her because he goes out because 
Sue's off with her boyfriend doing stuff, and he's like, I'm going to go get a drink. And he goes to a bar with a cabbie. With the cab driver, yes. Yeah, because this is, again, he's like, want to go get a drink? And the cab driver's like, all right, my shift's ended. Did and- the cab driver not seem to you like, he, he made me think of like the Fresh Prince. Yeah, like, like not, definitely like, going the, for that. Yeah. Like, he, he's an Italian guy. Yeah. But he definitely had that like that vibe where he's the, had like the, 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 the flipped the up bill and, and everything. But, but I mean, it was a very common it, yes, it was the look, yeah. fashion trend. But yeah, so takes to this bar and like he's having a great time with this you know woman Gwendolyn and, and they're, they're going to go back to, to yeah. Her place. And he's like, you know what, Sue's off with her boyfriend and like we're not committed. I guess I'm free to do what I want. Maybe get it on with some New York girl. And then this cab driver's like, Mick, Mick, that's a man, man. And Mick's like, what? Hey, mixed reaction to that isn't like, excuse me, can I be frank? I, I would like to know, are you, you know, a female impersonator? Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 my friend here has said as such, you know, I, I just, that's cool if you are, but, you know, if we're going to be intimate, that's honestly not something that I'm in, like into. No, he reaches down and grabs Gwendolyn's junk. Yeah, to check. Mm-hmm. And... It's played up for laughs, and it's so fun. And I can only imagine 1986, the uproarious laughter that must have filled the theater. Well, also, the cab driver drops an F-bomb Yeah, at this in the same yes. conversation. Yeah, and I'm like, ooh. And the sad thing is, those sorts of jokes played pretty well up until like a year ago. So it's like, nah. mm-hmm. Glad that's on its way out. But like, yeah, it was. But then it happens again. Yes. It does happen again. There's there's a lot of interesting. Like this movie is is 1980s New York and 1980s like. But without the, there is some cocaine. There is cocaine, but not crack em- epidemic. No, but it's all rich people that he's well, except for the the sex workers and the people at the bar. Most of the people he is encountering because Sue is very wealthy. Most of the people he is encountering when he's with Sue are very wealthy. So of course they're doing cocaine. Yes, but like. This is New York was n- kind of well known for being kind of a really crappy place until yeah, it, it got cleaned up in the 2000s. But that's thing, like for it being like crappy, quote unquote, New York, they really kind of made it. They showcase the nicer parts of New York, even when he's encountering the sex workers. They don't play the sex workers as like dirty, diseased, like it's not like Home Alone 2 Lost in New York where the, the two are like. The, the side where, oh, you're 11. Let me like, oh, you want to come home with me? Ha ha ha. These mm-hmm. are like they're friendly women who are dressed nicely, but provocatively. And mm-hmm. they're just like, you know, if you want a good time. He's like, oh, no, I'm okay. And like, they're not, they actually treat the, and then he encounters one of them at this fancy party because she's there with a, yeah, uh, she's at the, the party. client. Mm-hmm. This party. And he's and like, nice actually, for you to be there. Well, he doesn't know what's going on. No, he has he no clue because he's like, nice to see you. Because they they basically like proposition him. Yeah, because well, and that's he's so like, they're salespeople. Well, yeah, but he's also like, I have no idea what's going on. Like he has, he thinks he, no she's clue. there with her dad or something. Yes, and but like to be fair, the way they honestly talk to the sex workers is, I, I would say, a lot more progressive than other movies from this time. So it almost doesn't quite, but like it's interesting that it's like the way they treat someone who's trans or cross-dressing or drag on one hand is very dated, Mm -hmm. but his really polite and respectful conversation with, you know, a couple sex workers and how they're treated. Like, yeah, it's played up that he's very naive, but these women aren't treated as like 
sluts or disgusting or it's not like, like the cab driver shows up and calls them a slur and leaves. Does he? No, I said it's not. No, like, I was like, no, he doesn't. I, no, I didn't hear you. I was yeah, like, yeah. what? No, was I looking down with that? No, but no, like they they are treated like they're not. They don't come across as like. The joke isn't that they're gross. The joke is that he doesn't realize that these two young, attractive women are looking to get paid for sex. Yes. And like the joke is on him, not on them. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. And I'm like, okay, almost redeeming. Not quite. Right. Yeah. So anyway. The movie continues. Obviously, there's some stuff that we we skipped over. Richard, they go to lunch with Richard. And Richard, while he's waiting, gets drunk. And then is like a huge asshole at lunch. Yeah. But like, honestly, he's very skeevy, he's very skeevy but, but at the same time, everything he says is very much like, like if this was any other 80s movie, I would have expected the bad guy to talk like that and not be drunk to be like, you know, like, oh, like if this was an earnest movie, you know, like the bad guy would have been like, oh, well, this country bumpkin coming out here to see this blah, 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 blah. And he wouldn't have been drunk. He just would have talked like that. Yeah. But then like they're they're having dinner and Mick just like he distracts Sue and then punches knocks the dude out and like he obviously has a severe head injury mm. and like no one is helping him this dude is concussed yeah she just takes him home she's like you go go to the bar and talk to your trans and and prostitutes so you have fun well sex she doesn't worker. sorry sex worker keep respectful okay. just because the movie is not doesn't mean we get to be sorry it was the nomenclature for a long time and sometimes it's hard to turn that stuff i off. understand I totally understand, but mm -hmm. it's okay for me to point it out. It is. So, okay. Along the way, I have to say, I do like that he forms this friendship with, because we really, we find out Sue's dad is like the owner of like a media company. He's a yes. media mogul. Social media mogul. Yeah. She, he owns the newspaper that both she and Richard work for. Yeah. He's super uber rich. But so like the car they get in leaving the airport with. Reginald Val Johnson mm -hmm. isn't just like a one-off. This is their like professional driver. Yeah, he's their professional limo driver. So Mick and him, I forget his character's name, but they form a friendship. And it's honestly, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie is they actually got along really well because like Mick's a, a good dude. And one of the things that we, we kind of skipped over at the very beginning, one of the people they meet in the bush is at first, you know, they it's like, oh, oh Gus, Gus is Reginald's name, but yeah. they- they meet an aborigine in the bush and mm -hmm. it's first it's like, oh, she's all scared. And then he's like, no, I live in the city. I'm yeah. just here to visit my parents and I got to walk because there's no cars. I hate the bush. Yeah. He's like a nice dude and everything. And one of the things I do like about Mick is he genuinely has no like, there, there's nothing like. He does ask Reginald Val Johnson what tribe he's from mm -hmm. because he he the, all the people of color he knows are Aborigines from Australia because he lives out in the bush, and it's not a disrespectful thing. He just it's like, hey, you got darker skin, yeah. You know, you live in the city. My buddy, who's an Aboriginal, he lives in the city. That just because you're like you know have darker skin doesn't mean you have to live in like you know an Aborigine society. But you probably traditionally do have heritage within. You know, in his mindset. But yeah, like, it's what he knows, right? Yeah, but he, he does treat it very respectfully. It's not like he's like, ha ha, it's a joke. It's like, I'm very interested in who you are, and I would like to get to know you, and this is a respectful way for me to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, Gus is like, what? Yeah. But they end up forming a really nice friendship, but it does lead to Reginald Val Johnson throwing the antenna off the limo as a 
boomerang. Right. So I wanted to. I I'm wanted so to... sorry, but I really, really just that really stuck out to me. I wanted. I wanted to actually get to this later. Okay, I'm because, so sorry. But no, but we might as well hit it right now because we're hitting it now. At an hour and twenty five minutes into an hour and thirty five minute movie, this movie goes off the fucking rails. It a little bit. So he mistakes two sex workers for the sex workers he's already met. They happen to have the same pimp. And oh yeah, because he he definitely like beat up a pimp. He which beat is up pretty a pimp. Cool. Yeah, he beat up a pimp because the pimp said naughty language in front of the sex workers. Mm -hmm. He's like, don't talk like that in front of a woman. Yep. So he beats him up. So he sees this same pimp again. He knocks the pimp out again, like immediately. But then he gets taken out with one punch by like these other two dudes. Like they show him to be this super tough bastard bushman. And then one dude just takes him out later. You know what though? A sucker punch can do that. I... Uh, that is, it, it can happen. But he was fighting those guys. It wasn't a sucker punch. But like one lucky punch can do it though. But thankfully uh, Reginald Val Johnson yeah, does so show up and Re saves him. Reginald Val Johnson runs a dude over with yeah, the car. Yeah, that was great. Like he comes out of nowhere. That He drops him off and he's like, have a good night. And then out of nowhere, runs a man over, gets out of the car, and then breaks the antenna off of his limousine and... Throws it like a boomerang. And don't don't think like a straight in the air antenna. This is one of your old school, old school limo boomerang yeah, v shaped. shaped antennas. Yeah, and I I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, it was hilarious. It was so out of left field. Like it was on one hand, it fit the tone of the movie entirely, but on the other hand, it was so out of the ordinary for mm -hmm. what this movie had shown. Because like there wasn't even a moment where he said something to him about like, oh, you know maybe you're good at throwing things like here's how i throw boomerangs anything like that maybe that he, scene was cut maybe but he just literally breaks part of his car off and throws it perfectly oh yeah he takes that guy out takes the dude out and then he makes a comment about like oh maybe you got a little bit of the tribesmen in you after all and it's like but did you, you the movie didn't even show the tribesmen throwing boomerangs <laughs> like where does this entire sequence come from Speaking of like, where does it go? So one of the classic things from this movie, as we've already discussed, yes, is, you know, a guy comes up to Mick and Sue when they're out and about and he asks them a question and then he holds up a knife and he is like, you know, give me your yeah, give me your wallet. And Sue's like, oh, he's got a knife. Do what he says. And Mick's like, that's not a knife. And pulls out his huge his like Bowie knife, knife and is like, that's a knife. And the guy runs off. And I was like, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah, it was literally that was 30 the whole, seconds. That was the whole scene. You knew, uh, you knew it. The big iconic scene, you, you, it, it was better in your head because in your head, it was, it was that's not a knife. It was a spoon. But it, 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 culturally, I'm like, this was, this was a big deal. People, people have quoted this for 30 years, 30 years. People have been quoting this and that's it. That's it. So, huh. Speaking of that, Sid, the, we, we established that the father is the owner of the newspaper. Mm -hmm. There is a scene at the newspaper where Richard is trying to propose to Sue, and the dad just walks right in and yep. goes, 
you're not doing what I think you're doing, are you? <laughs> and then he stands there and like completely ruins this proposal, which then becomes the proposal at the party, which Sue accepts like with no hesitation. Yeah. She's all about this proposal. And then only when Mick is like, hmm, does she like seem to regret it? Yeah. And then Mick, after being like, oh, well, clearly she doesn't love me. She loves that dude. And my buddy Reginald L. Johnson saved me from this pimp. I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to go and walk all over the United States and see where my life goes from here. Well, I say like, cause like one of the things they talk about is, is the walkabout, walkabout yeah. which is like, and he talks about in being in the movie, he's gone on walkabouts before. And at one point he went on a walkabout that lasted 18 months. He just goes for a walkabout. He just goes for a walkabout. It's a walkabout. So Badman. Uh, <laughs> I watched that yeah. after that. <laughs> so Badman. So, What's your name? Yeah. So they go and he goes on a walkabout. And then she shows up and the dad's like, are you sure? The dad, she has clearly told the dad her intentions to not marry Richard because she loves Crocodile Dundee, a man who her father has known for all of five minutes. What The man was a party favor, essentially, for his rich, like, for his yeah. rich daughter. Yeah. And, she, and he's just like, oh, you, are you sure? Okay. I mean, good for you with, like... You know, He's respecting, a very supportive dad. yeah, very being very supportive. But at the same time, I, I feel like if it was my daughter, I'd be like, are you sure? How well do you know this man? To be fair, she's not marrying Crocodile Dundee, but if it were my kid, I'd be glad they weren't also marrying Richard because he's a very typical 80s sleaze <laughs> who's probably doing a lot of coke, probably sleeping around. That's just like your typical 80s businessman i suppose but the way that the the relationship is shown between the dad and richard it seems like they're very friendly they could be friendly and he still doesn't want the guy to marry his daughter okay well he seems pretty happy about i mean sure he breaks up that proposal but when they get <sighs> he breaks up the proposal but when they pro he proposes again later he does nothing to stop that proposal and seems very delighted by it once it's done maybe he's just excited to get his daughter off his hands because he's been like look I keep letting her publish these stupid articles in my paper and it's really dragging things down. Maybe if she gets married and has a kid, she'll stop. But the article is like the most, I, I know what you're saying, <laughs> but the article is like the most popular part of the newspaper. Her <gasps> her articles about this friggin' bush man. Yeah, people are like, he's like famous on the street. People like know who he is. Yeah, they're like, stuff. you're the man from Australia. Like, yeah, you're that Australian yeah, guy. Yeah, the, the, the sex workers knew who he was just based on the fact that he showed up and was like, Good day, mate. Yeah, like literally, that's all it took. And they're like, "You're the guy in the paper." Yeah. So, yeah. So that happens, and she catches up to him in the subway. She didn't catch up to well, him. She, and like, she, I have to admit, the start of the scene was cute. I liked it. So yes. the subway is packed. New yes. York packed. And she's shouting down, and he's at the far end of the platform. So she shouts to one person, who then shouts to another person, who then shouts, and then he shouts back and back and back and back and back. And I thought that was honestly, it was cute. It was cute. And then it just kept going. And then it just ends. And I don't mean just that scene. The movie. The movie. Okay, so this scene that starts off very cute, and I liked how it started. Yeah. I actually was like, oh, okay. Like the the they're doing the the purple monkey dishwasher down the down the line. But I mean everybody's getting everything right. But it just keeps going. Like we 
get what's happening, but it, it goes on. Like they have this back and forth conversation that just keeps getting repeated across like four people. And, yeah. and then he climbs over. Like he, basically she shouts to Crocodile Dundee that she loves him. And he's like, okay, I'm coming over. And he walks over everybody. And then they kiss. And the movie is over. Yep. It ends right there. Yeah, they kiss, and that's like kind of the end. And it like fades, and it's like. And then the credits start. Yep. I literally wrote, that's how it ends. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. It was, um, uh, it was something. It was, it was, is what it was. Yeah. It was a movie. I just, uh, it was a thing. It, it, I had nothing for that ending. I have it. It was so anticlimactic. Yeah, but like, I I feel like that's kind of the eighties. Like we've watched a few movies now where it's like they just end. I I know that is what a lot of movies like. We we don't get the kind of epilogues we get now. Yeah, and there's no like post credit scenes. Yeah, and- but like, I don't know. Th- this one, I feel like what for was egregiously like dead stop anticlimactic yeah like really what because like you don't know anything that's gonna be like happening after and like because like think about it karate kid another a movie that we recently did has a very similar kind of ending yeah where it just ends abruptly Mm -hmm. but in that abrupt ending it's it's like if the movie had ended after the guy's like, you win. And then it just cut to the credits. Yeah. Like there's moments of celebrating. There's the moment of Johnny being like, you are a real hero, Daniel. You know, Mr. Miyagi does his approving nod. The girl kisses Daniel. Like there is at least 30 seconds of closure after the movie has its has reached its, its climax. Yeah. You know, and this has nothing. It's 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 like I said. It's as if it ended when he kicked him in the head. You know, like. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. I feel like we should just end it right there. Yeah, like, and end of the pot. No, we can't just end the podcast. But then. no, but I mean, like, how else can we talk about this movie? It's no, over. Like, it's done. And you know what? There's there's actually more to this movie I do want to discuss, but it's it's outside the movie. Okay. Well. So we might as well. So okay. So. Uh, Critics in 1986 had thoughts about this movie. <laughs> so, Laura, why don't you fill us in on some past reviews? So, this movie has one of our bigger disparities between the critical score and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the critical score is an 88%. The uh, audience score is a 59%. Wow, okay. But that's saying they're looking at reviews from the 80s versus, versus people, people watching, people it, watching now, it now, which makes sense. So Robert Ebert, Robert, wow, Roger Ebert gave the film two stars out of four. And he said there was no chemistry between the stars. No. And the movie feels curiously machine made as if they had all the right ingredients and simply forgot to add the animal magnetism. Nina Darton of the New York Times thought Paul Hogan was delightful in the title role, that the screenplay was witty with a fine sense of irony. And Michael Wilmington of the Los Angeles Times said it's simply an expert crowd pleaser. Now, the screenplay was nominated for an Oscar, what? a BAFTA, a Saturn Award, like, and Paul Hogan won Best Actor in a Comedy at the Golden Globes. 
Okay. Cool. Okay. I like that you're just like, okie dokie. I, I mean, 1986 was a weird time. A lot of cocaine, like you said. Huh. Let me see. What what won, what won that uh, screenplay award? Was it Top Gun? Oh my God, I hope not, because that movie is garbage. It's not what you rated it. Hannah and Her Sisters by Woody Allen won. No. Okay. It was also up against Platoon, and it didn't win either. So Hannah and Her Sisters was the winner of that. Yeah, so... So freaking weird. You know who he won the Best Acting Award against? Who? Danny DeVito, Jeff Daniels, Jack Lemmon, and Matthew Broderick all lost to Paul Hogan. Wow. Uh, okay. I mean, I'll I'll give it that there are scenes in the movie where he's very charismatic, but there are few and far between. <laughs> so, speaking of charisma, yes, what I wanted to get into after because he wrote this movie too, yes. and he did write it as just he was he was not looking for it to be like this huge thing. It was supposed to be just a fun movie for you know, Australians and it, you know, became so much more. So Paul Hogan plays Crocodile Dundee. Mm -hmm. Sue is played by Linda Kozlowski, who has graduated from Juilliard, done Broadway. Um, and then contrary to what Roger Ebert had to say, Roger or Paul Hogan and Linda Kozlowski uh, got married mm -hmm. and we're in a bunch of movies together and have a kid and sh he left his then wife for her and they divorced in 2014 magical yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just like one of those things where it's like i almost feel like i wonder if at some point in the movie they got together in the they did actually hook up in the movie and the chemistry they had building died in the film you know what I, like, right when, right you know how sometimes like you have got chemistry with building someone that is a, you know it's like yeah 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 and then they act on it and it's just like it just defeats the chemistry because mm -hmm. now they've uh, the tension is gone so yeah and like i'm just like because they they the only thing she's really been in and she got offered like she said quite a few movies where she was basically like the smart girlfriend of a dumb guy mm -hmm. and she turned them all down she said i want to be typecast but like she only has 13 acting credits and most of them are in paul hogan movies yeah like her last credit was in 2001 and it was crocodile dundee in los angeles that movie came out in 2001 wow yeah. but he's like 20 years older than her too good times yeah so i was just it was very interesting that i was like their chemistry wasn't phenomenal but i guess good but like he saves her from a crocodile and then she falls for him and i'm just like she's sort of like falling for him before that though in the movie like the, the they have like a banter and everything but like you can flirt with someone and it not lead to anything like she's being like don't get me wrong i don't think richard's the guy for here either but he's a better match than mick dundee mm. so yeah this movie cultural phenomenon and i would like to discuss i understand I could, now in 20 years mm -hmm. people are going to be talking about movies like you know this Avengers. is like this is like if ali g was a cultural phenomenon right he kind of is though borat 
Borat is. Borat. Borat nominated for an Academy Awards. People are going to look at the Borat. Do you think people are going to look at Borat in 20 years the same way they looked at Dark Crocodile Dundee now? But I'm thinking more like the way the stories are told. Like this was one of best, like, or it was nominated for best screenplay. Mm. And I'm just like, the way stories are told now. Do we think that a movie that had like a good screenplay, do, do we think people are going to look back at Black Panther? Because it nom- got nominated for Oscars and was like a huge box office success. So let's like example that. Mm-hmm. As a cultural phenomenon. Do you think 20 years people are going to look back and be like, that? That movie was nominated? That? I feel like people will look back at Black Panther favor- more favorably than than we've been to this movie. I think so. But at the same time, I'm just like, that? I feel like I've personally bumped Linda Kozlowski in the top 5,000 on IMDb simply by the fact that I've looked at her profile like four times. (laughs) (laughs) Because like her star meter is up in the top 5,000 now. And I'm like, hmm. I looked at it once or twice too. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So we we've personally revived her career, <laughs> but no, like she doesn't really act anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So but, I suppose now, I mean, there's, what is there left to do but give your review of this film? And this was your pick. So after you, I'm gonna give it a plane. Mm-hmm. It was fun in a lot of spots, and I do think it is worth a watch because it is silly and culturally it's worth it just to be like okay okay yeah i've heard the knife not a knife thing you know like now i can see it is an entertaining movie i did have fun watching it do i have any desire to ever watch it again no do i think i wasted my time watching it no um was it as good as i had hoped no um so I, I I think a plane is fair. You think that's fair as a plane? I mean, I guess I'm telegraphing that I'm giving this a burn. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, no, I mean, I the the knife line is the best line in the movie, and it's in the trailer. You I know, it's a lot though. I I know, but it's just. Man, I am not doing well for I'm getting a lot of strikeouts for for my movies for for Mike lately because you're you're oh man. So Crocodile Dundee burnt, Clueless burnt, Death Becomes Her Plane, Bring It On Plane, Interview the Vampire burnt. My last pick that you gave a double for was Twister. Because that movie's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Let's watch Twister again next week. Twister again. My parents would love it. Ugh. Yeah, no, I, it's I my barometer for why I picked Burnt is would I recommend someone watch this movie, and I wouldn't. So, wow, it's I don't know. It's got some problematic bits to it, which uh, it just happens over time. Yes, a hundred percent. It's not the movie's fault. It's just it was a different time, and like outside of the scene where Reginald Bell Johnson hucks a the back of his limo at somebody, I. I, I don't want to say I didn't enjoy any of the movie. Like it, that makes it sound like there's not a single part in the movie that I was like, "This is I like this." You know, there were parts of the movie. So that it was like I a liked. bowl of burnt popcorn, but there's a few kernels in there that were still okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could you could pick and choose a, a couple points in the movie, but overall, I would not. Uh, it's not a bowl of popcorn I'd like to revisit. That's for <laughs> sure. So 
that will do it for this week's episode. But next week, I'm so excited. Next week, we will be sitting down with your parents (laughs) to watch Face Off. Yes. What? (laughs) Yes. I wanted an action movie because I assumed it would be something that your parents would like. Oh, God. They're going to be so into it. And then it just sort of hit me. I was like, they might own it. Oh, okay. There we go. See, on this, VHS. There you go. Was, Can we watch on VHS if they own if it on If they VHS? own it on VHS and their VHS player still works, then fine. Fuck yeah. That'd be so <laughs> funny. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, I know I part of me was like, oh, do I pick another Nicolas Cage movie? But once I was like, no, I'm picking Face Off. <laughs> it's, 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 it's what we're doing. So 1997. I hope. Face I know, Off. How are we watching it if they don't own it? It's on uh, Netflix or Prime. I looked it up. Okay. One or the other. Uh, it, no, it's. I'd have to rent it from Amazon, dear. Oh, it, well, then it was on Netflix like a few days ago. Of course, that's how it always works. <laughs> yeah. I can rent it because we'll, my parents have access to my Prime. We'll figure it out. But anyway. I'll have my laptop too. Yeah, there'll be a, there will be a way to watch it and then we will watch. I hope they, I'm pretty sure they own it on VHS though. We'll figure it out. Look forward to that whole thing next week but for this episode of burn popcorn i am mike i'm laura and we'll talk to you again (laughs) as soon oh